Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from July 5th, 2020. I want to eat lunch before staff meeting. I've been recording for the last 15 oh. minutes. <laughs> not. You have not been recording. Well, we are now. We are now. Clock is ticking. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast, episode, I don't even know anymore. I was never counting. That was your thing. That was my, well, I think it's everybody's thing. I'll, I'll find out. By the end of the episode, I will find out what number this was. So. By the end of this episode, you will find out? Yeah. Because like, you'll be searching that and not engaging me in. Right. What else do I do? Engaging when you go on conversation. Your, yeah. You go on your long monologues. What else am I going to do? I am known for my excessively long monologues. Yeah. Yeah, I just this is my reputation. I mean, it'll give me something to do other than shopping on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. So welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. Yeah. We're glad that you guys are here. My yeah. name is Robbie. And I'm Jay. It sounded like I wasn't sure. That was. There was definitely, <laughs> you kind of went up on there. I'm Jay. Jay. I'm Ron Burgundy. I don't, yeah. No, can't do that reference. <laughs> Anyway, so, so here's the here's the irony that we're starting off with already, hmm. was we were told last week by Christoph that last week's audio recording was like was the strongest audio. It sounded the best. Yes, like mixed the best. The sound, yeah, it sounded right. sounded good. Which at first, when you told me that, I thought he meant last week's was the best podcast, and I thought, oh, oh that certainly great. could not be the case. Yeah, that was definitely not. It turns out it was only our audio quality, correct? Which, not necessarily the content, right? But, which but it sounded me, good. It gives me a new compliment to give someone when you're at like an event, or someone could give if if you're after church or whatever, like when you preach or something. I could tell you the audio quality sounded really great. Oh. And I've noticed that people have said that the last few weeks. The number one comment I've gotten about the messages are the speakers sound great. And so now I'm starting to wonder. Interesting. If if what they were actually thinking is, well, right. the content was mostly garbage, but right. your tone was excellent. Yes. You sounded the very The timbre clear. of your voice yes. was very pleasing. Yeah. There was a, yeah, there's an old, there's a show that one time where they went to a play and they their friend was in the play and the play was terrible. And so they were all arguing over what they could say when they, afterwards, when their friend asked them, Hey, what'd you think? And they were fighting over the lights. Like, I'm going to say the light, the stage lighting was great. Like you got lights last time. And so that's what I feel like right now. It's like now Christoph has already used the, you guys sounded great. Oh, you enjoyed the podcast. You sounded great. (laughs) So, so hopefully we sound great right, right now. Well, hey, it feels like we're we're taking steps in a positive direction, right? We're, it sounds better. Now, now let's bring the content quality up to meet the audio quality. What do you say? Ian? I mean, we could try. Let's give it our best shot. Okay. So, uh, so speaking of content, I thought you both sounded good and your content was engaging this weekend. And I absolutely appreciated... The fact that you kept it at an extraordinary 24 minutes, which I think was an act of compassion so that none of the congregants in attendance would burst into actual flames during the sermon. It it was hot. 
It was warm this weekend. I, I, yes, I definitely was trying to keep it brief. And what I noticed was I started to feel tingly because I think that I think my body temperature is rising. And then I'm standing out. There's really no cover there because the shade is going backwards behind us anyway. And so Correct. I, I'm just, I'm just out there. And other than my wife asking me to please put on sunscreen next time, I think we're going to be fine. I figure as long as I'm, as long as I can handle it, then everybody else can. That's true. Well, and somebody asked me afterwards, why on earth didn't Jay take like a step and a half backwards? And he could have been in the shade of the tent. And because you tend towards the self-deprecating humor, you would, are unlikely to share this with everyone. But that's actually an intentional choice on your part to, as an act of self-sacrificing solidarity, you choose to be out in the sun because so many of our people have to be out in the sun and... Yeah, I I appreciate and respect that from that's, the cover of my giant shade tent. That's, yeah, I feel like I, I well, yeah, I just got this picture when somebody asked me that. I just got this image of me sitting back in the shade, being spritzed with a misting fan and way you know fans on me, and the saying, you know what, we got tea. time. Yeah, we got we only got one service. Let's go into James three. Let's let's just <laughs> let's dig into that for a little bit. Well, everybody else is roasting. So no, I feel like if I'm if if I am if I am with the least comfortable people that we have, then then we're kind of we're all in this together. So, but at the same time, I was talking to somebody else and thinking, you know, you'd make all that effort to come here and to gather together. If we did like a fifteen minute service, then I'd be thinking, well. I showed right. up, brought, right. I brought my tent, I brought everything. Right, well, providing no yeah. substantive content feels right. like, man, that was not worth right. a lot of effort to do this. So. Which, by the way, I do want to make sure that everybody knows that please continue to bring shade. I thought that worked out really well. I don't think any. I walked around, and I don't think anybody was horribly blocked by anybody else's shade. There's just so much space to spread out wide and to find those gaps that I, I just think that worked so well that I hope people continue to uh, continue to do that and yeah, not absolutely. feel weird about that at all. Just bring shade, whether it's a, a big, you know, the funny thing is those big canopy tents actually blocked even less of the view because people could see through them, you know, right. because they're too high, but even the umbrellas, whatever you have, whatever you need to bring with you, just bring it. Yeah, it really is a blessing to have as much space as we do out there because yeah. someone pops an umbrella open in front of me, I can shift two feet to one direction or the other, and it's really not that big a deal. But the shade really did make a big difference. Our our hope is that this last Sunday is about as hot as it's going to get. Maybe I shouldn't have said that out loud. You should not have said that out loud. But, I mean, we're not in Yuma, Arizona, right? Like, it can only get so hot up here, right? Yeah. I mean, and isn't that true like, even in Yuma? It can only get so hot. Right, but like <laughs> last last week, someone was complaining about how hot it was. I think it was on Friday. Yeah, it was on Friday, and I and I looked up, and it said it uh, it feels like eighty three. And and just just for kicks, I looked up what it was in the town in Texas that we moved here from, and it said feels like one hundred and eleven, which. Is like eight degrees shy of the actual surface of the sun. I think. So, so <laughs> I'm not sure about that. 
fact check that. Give or, give or take a few degrees. Before I knew that that was scientifically determined, I used to think that, that when they do the whole, it feels like that it was the weatherman just walking outside and be like, meh, feels like 92. Send Gary out there. Gary's <laughs> like, eh, I don't know. But the thermometer says 74. I don't know. Feels like 92 to me. You're wearing a sweater. Meh. <laughs> just... <laughs> So I couldn't, I was little, like, well, what happens? A little more precise. It is a little more precise than that, turns out. What is not precise is our agenda for this podcast. Correct. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reel us back in here. This is not. So we, you did, you did preach a, a, a fairly brief message, but it was very like crammed with content. And, and that being the case, I, I, it is impossible for me to believe that there were that weren't there weren't things that hit the cutting room floor like clearly in in order to keep it that short there were some important things that you would have wanted to add in there that that didn't make it what what is something that you wish if if we were all in an air-conditioned building again you would have shared yeah so i mean again what i was trying to do in really zeroing in was remembering okay what is the purpose of this series what are we really trying to do and this isn't as structured of a series as we typically have this is much more they're much more functioning like like standalone messages but the the whole idea is to say okay how do you just how do you come to scripture how do you get to the place where prayer is just your natural part of reading scripture and to do that we just want to set the example of different types of passages different what do you do when you come to a passage like this and like passages like this and a model what that looks like to to pray not just pray about the passage, but to actually pray scripture. And, and so that kind of zeroed me in. And so there's always tangents and everything, but the, that last phrase that James uses in that passage that we read that, that to keep oneself unstained from the world, that was one that if I, if I could have had, if I felt the freedom to have another 10 minutes or so, then I probably would have dug into that a little bit more because that's a big one. It is a big one. And I think it's so it's just so pertinent right now. Like it's, this is, this is the thing that's happening that this, that passage, I used to hear it growing up that being unstained by the world meant basically avoiding people who do bad things, Hmm. like to keep yourself away from drugs or alcohol or smoking or whatever. You just, just be unstained. So don't do those things that the, what the world does. But if you look at that passage, I, I don't think that's really the, the main thrust of the passage at all that, it's it's really referring, I think, to to these worldviews and these ideas of what does it look like to to follow Jesus. If I say I'm a follower of Jesus, then I'm going to be a doer of the word. I'm going to be obedient to Him. And being unstained uh, by the world is. I just really would have loved to spend more time talking about what that looks like when we're kind of lured away by these other worldviews and these other ideas that I can that I can just say the right things and it doesn't matter what I do, or I can, uh, I can in theory agree with caring for widows and orphans, but I don't have to actually be participating in it. And I think right now, like what we're seeing is that's, that's the being stained by the world is buying into other philosophies that are not biblical worldviews and taking piece of those pieces of those. And that ends up being, you know, kind of the staining of, the Christ-like view, you know, I, I'm following Jesus completely, and that is pure, even though my following of Him is not pure. But mm-hmm. but Christ, Christ's way in His worldview is pure and unstained, and we are identifying with Him, and we are to keep ourselves unstained by 
those other philosophies that kind of lure us. And right now you're seeing that political ways you're seeing it in, um, there's, it's always been the case in different heresies that have kind of come in that are really just different views, um, that are just unbiblical views that kind of get mixed in with biblical Christianity. Mm. Does that, I don't know. It does. I think that's, it's an important distinction to say, like, it is this, it is this good garment that has been tainted Yes. rather than, you know, it's easy to, easy, as you said, to, to immediately think of those more overt, objective, evil acts or unbiblical acts. Um, but that idea of it's, it's something good that has been, that has been stained, that has been tainted, that has been somehow, um, altered. And so that it's not, it's in its original condition. What, uh, what is another example that you can think of, of, of that? I was just, I was thinking you're probably going to ask me that. So I was thinking quick, come up with an example, but right now I'm, I'm, my mind is just, for me, it's just so, it's so about for me personally, the way this plays out in my life is finding, finding me mixing things into what the actual Christian life looks like and buying into other things that, that maybe comfort my flesh more. So uh, I guess an example would be that if I buy into the philosophy of the of the world's philosophy, especially like our culture here, that that you get what you work for, that you and and if you if you're poor, it's it's your fault. If you're not, then that's you know to your credit. And I start letting that seep in, then all of a sudden the commands to care for the poor or to care for the um, the disenfranchised or the hurting or the, uh, anything like that. I, I, I start to qualify all those things. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I actually got cut out was thinking about caring for the poor and saying, this is not one of the qualifications isn't, does this person deserve it? Mm -hmm. Have they done everything that they could do? Cause we think about that a lot. Like I think an American version of caring for the poor is, well, if you're poor by no fault of your own, like if you're poor because this thing happened to you and you've done everything that you possibly can do and you still can't get out of that hole, then, then we'll help you, which is not, I, I is not a biblical worldview. And the reason why I know it's not a biblical worldview is because that's not the gospel. Like right. It's not like right. God didn't help us in our spiritual depravity because he looked at us and said, you've done everything you can. You've, right. you've tried as hard as you can to obey me and follow me and you just can't get over the hump. And so I'm going to help you. And because everything we do reflects back onto what God does, then I know I can know that that, that can't be the thing. I can't say I'm going to give people help who qualify for my, who qualify for help mm -hmm. because that's not how God helps us. That's a really helpful example, I think, because it, it, it illustrates how a, a cultural understanding of help and mercy taints or stains our biblical understanding of grace. Right. Right. And it's, and, and so I, because that gets tainted, I don't understand, or I don't see that, that what I am believing is a biblical response to grace is actually not biblical at all it's 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 more heavily influenced by the culture around me than it is by scripture yeah which which is something i think we do in a lot of different areas and some areas that we notice how contrary it is like for example we would say 
well, I know I'm supposed to love somebody even if they don't love me back. You know, the world might say, well, you, if, if you love me, then I love you. And you see that a lot. Like if you respect me, I'll respect you. If you, if you serve me, I'll serve you. If you, all these different qualifiers. And we know biblically those qualifiers aren't there that we, we love because he first loved us. And so we are then called to love others before they have any, whether they have any love for us or not, we're still called to love, which Jesus explicitly states when he talks about loving your enemies. So, so there are those areas where I think we at least know we have some inkling that "Ah, I don't think, I don't think this is right that I should only help the person who's willing to help me or do something for the person. Cause he explicitly says, don't invite the people who can pay you back. Only invite the people who can't pay you back. Um, But we, but we then so quickly, I just see it a lot and I see it in my own heart and I see it a lot in, in the church where we, where we put these qualifiers on, on offering mercy and offering grace Hmm. and take that on our shoulders to determine if someone is worthy of that help. When I'm so thankful that God doesn't do that with me. He doesn't, he doesn't look at me and decide, determine whether I'm worthy of salvation or not. Um, And if anybody said that, we would quickly dismiss that. If someone said like, well, God work looks at you and determines if you are good enough. Because it's literally the opposite of the gospel. It's literally the opposite of it. But I just think that we sometimes live in a way that shows that that is kind of what we believe. So. Hmm. So that's what I would have probably put. <laughs> so you see why I cut that out? Because I feel like it would have taken a whole. It's so it's so good, but you're right. I take that you 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 couldn't just like drop 15 seconds of that and move on. Um, it is, uh, yeah. Almost every sermon, I always feel like, man, there's there's a good like 30 more minutes of content that I wish no. I could say in here, but I'm not willing to subject the congregation to that. And it's really important, by the way, like I'll continue to harp on this, that as we get closer to the election in November, it's really important that people, no matter what your political identity is to remember that your, your political party does Hmm. not see Jesus Christ as Lord. Hmm. The the party doesn't, the party ideology. Mine does, right? (laughs) Just the other guys doesn't. Yeah. That's what we tend to think. And we yeah. tend to buy into that, and and so it's just yeah. just to be on guard. Not not very... that there aren't people within that no. party that don't, but as a whole, that is not the priority of any of the existing political parties to exalt Jesus as Lord. Right. Both political parties have people within them who who, as individuals and families, seek to exalt Jesus as Lord. But to your point, the party itself that is not their priority. Right. And so it's important to constantly be on guard against fl- like encompassing or, or trying to fold in those political philosophies into the Christian biblical Christian worldview and to not understand that those are different things, that there's overlap at times. But that's really where you get staining. We just see that a lot of the staining on every side. And I, I continue to, to say that, that... Um, you know, in all these different areas, when people point out like, well, this is their agenda. Yeah, well, the, of course. And there are agendas on the other side that are unchristlike. And right. so we have to be discerning and we have to keep keep the way of following Jesus unstained by the world's views that want to kind of take all that Christian stuff and 
fold it in and really make it subservient to this other worldview. Um, and we just, we just need to be on guard with that. So hmm. there you go. That's so speaking of being on guard, excellent on segue there, Jay, you talked about, uh, guarding our tongue, yeah. which James, uh, spends a significant amount of time trying to exhort us to, to guard our tongue and, and the dangers of not doing so. Um, I, I loved, it was so, so helpful to, to again, receive that reminder of how important it is to be praying for that, for, for God's help in that. And I love that you gave, uh, an, the illustration of you coming home, thinking through intentionally, okay, how do I, how do I guard my tongue in my home? Um, do you, can you think of some other practical examples of what, what does that look like as, as we're asking God for that, we can't, we can't take the, the, uh, the passive stance of, all right, well, when God decides to do that, I'll just magically speak differently that, that there, there is grace driven effort that is applied so that we can actually exercise the grace that God is giving us in that as he is answering that prayer, um, to, to those of us who feel like, man, just it's struggle. Like I speak when I know I shouldn't speak, or I'm, I'm so quick to make this kind of statement when I know I should say this way. Do you have, do you have anything practical that helps in that? Yeah, I think one, one thing is just simply asking, letting somebody else know that you, that, that you want to work on this, that you believe that God is, is calling you to work on this. And so that would be a form of accountability hmm. But if you have people that are in your life that are around you a lot, maybe it's spouse, maybe it's friend, um, that who's around you in that situation a lot, and and you give them permission to say, "Hey, I've I've noticed that I can respond with biting sarcasm, and I don't. I'm not always a good judge of who who receives that in humor and it's fun, and and who doesn't, mm-hmm. and." I'm feeling really convicted about that. Would you, I want to give you the freedom to, to challenge me in that. And what that does is you, you know, most of the time we don't, nobody likes confronting other people, but if I'm given the permission to do that, um, it's, we do it in other things. Like there are people you, you might ask for accountability, say you want to eat healthier. And so it would be weird. Like if I, if I decided I wanted to eat healthier, and I went over to your house, Robbie, and we hadn't had any conversation about me wanting to eat healthier. And I just grab, you know, I, I grab extra of the unhealthy stuff. And you just sat there and I'm like, sure, you want to eat that? Sure, that's how you want to handle your dinner? I mean, that would be really awkward and really <laughs> weird. A little rude. Yeah. And so, but if I tell Lauren or if I told you, I want to be making better choices with what I eat would you, I want to give you the freedom to ask me when you see me making a poor choice, or if you're wondering if it's a choice that I really like, I need to be thinking intentionally about this. And so you could ask like, Hey, is that, Hey, you told me to ask you about this. Is this one of those times? Like, is this, you know? And, and so Lauren and I have done that with my, with my tongue, like biting my, you know, bi- just bridling my tongue where I obviously like humor and I've learned over the years that not everyone thinks I'm funny. I can't possibly be true. I, well, it's <laughs> you'd be surprised. Um, some of them have even told me so, so much. 
But Lauren, when I gave her the freedom to say, I, I don't think, I, I don't think they received that as a joke. Hmm. Now, obviously that, that, that's hard because it is. You, it's going to, even when you give someone that permission, yes. it's still hard to hear that. You don't want to hear, no. Hey, you did that thing you said you don't want yeah. to do. And, and I find that in that it's helpful when you say, is this one of those things? Yeah. So she usually, she doesn't use it as a club to hit me on the head and be like, you just did the thing. You said you didn't want to do that anymore. That's not a good way. No, it's not. <laughs> That's not a good way no, to deal not. with that. But to say, Hey, is this, is this what you meant? Because I think that this might've been received in a different way. And the funny thing is, Robbie, I wish it would be funny if it wasn't sad or maybe it is still funny. I don't know. But four times on Sunday afternoon and evening, I got the, Hey, did you listen to the sermon today? Because I, Oh man. Cause, <laughs> cause I still That's brutal. Yeah. Now in each of those times, it was said in humor, you know, because what I was saying was it was more of just like that. It was a quick, a quick retort, but it wasn't biting sarcasm or, you know, wasn't yeah. mean spirited, but it was, it was all in humor, but still the point remains that it's a constant battle and a constant struggle. It's not something that's going to go away. If you have ingrained habits that you know are sinful habits that have come from, from the flesh and they've been in process for years, maybe you, maybe that was the communication culture that you grew up with. And so for generations, your family has communicated with each other in this way. Then that's not going to go away overnight. Even by, I mean, God could make it go away overnight, but he doesn't intentionally so that we yeah. would actually walk with him and trust him in the midst of that. And so it is worth it. But yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a practical thing to do. Ask for help. It's worth it. And, and it requires Christ-centered relationships. Yeah. Like you need to have, you need to have some gospel saturated community. You have to have yep. some people that you love and love you enough that you can have those kind of uh, direct conversations with and that you feel safe enough to be able to say, hey, can you help me with this? And and you trust they're not going to intentionally wield that like a club um, or, or do the equivalent of knocking, slapping the donut out of your hand, um, but, but will do their best to lovingly confront you on those things. Um, I can't do that if I don't have Christ-centered relationships if I don't know how to have those kind of um, of Jesus-centered and Bible-centered conversations with people. And and I th- what I love that you, um, that I feel like has come up several times in, in some of your last messages, but that idea of we have to practice these things. Yeah. Like we, I have to, I have to do them badly now until I get more and more comfortable at them and better and better at them and, and take a bit of a risk now so that, um, so that in, in practicing that, in practicing not just trying to bridle my own tongue, but in practicing asking other people who also love Jesus to help me follow Jesus in that way, um, that in, in practicing that we get, we get in one sense better and better, or at least more and more comfortable at, at pursuing Jesus that way. Yeah, and I think not only relationships that you feel comfortable having those conversations with, but relationships that you're around enough that yeah. they can observe. Yeah. Because the old model of we see each other once a week and I tell you 
a struggle that I'm having. And so you are going to commit to asking me about it once a week. I mean, right. that's, it's better, can, it's better than nothing. I can hold it together for that one hour that we're meeting. Yeah. Like it's, it's when we're in and out of each other's homes, when, when, when we're in relationship with one right. another throughout the week that you're actually watching me interact with my wife so that you can right. see, Hey, you responded to her in that way. You said that you didn't want to respond to her. Which is why you need help because right. like you said before the thing about spiritual blind spots is that they're blind. You can't, you can't right. see them. I st- full, so, full disclosure. I stole that from Paul Tripp, but yes. Well, or did Paul Tripp steal quoted. it from you? Well, that's a possibility. I mean, my Unlikely, unlikely, but <laughs> anyway, possible. Um, thanks, Paul. Taking all the credit. It's always taking. Anyway, <laughs> the, the idea that that you have this spiritual blind spot. That's why people have to observe you. If, if I ask you to hold me accountable and the whole form is that you're going to ask me once a week, Hey, how did you do controlling your tongue this week? Well, we're relying now on my, like my, my self evaluation, my self evaluation and my self evaluation is terrible. That's why I'm in this mess in the first place. If I, because I can justify just about anything right, in myself. Right. Then the only thing that I'm going to see is when I know I intentionally used my words to hurt somebody. Right. That's not been my issue most of my life. I don't, like, for me, the form of my issue is I do something that I think is funny. I say something that I think mm. is funny, and it and it wasn't. and it Or something that we think is helpful. Like, I'm correcting correct. you in this way because yes. I'm trying to help you. Yeah. And so if, so if I'm only going to, the only thing I'm going to confess then is the thing that I knew, I knew I shouldn't have said that, which that would happen too. And I can confess those things, but you have to have time, um, with people. So you need to be in their lives enough that they can observe. And you know, one of the great, it is, it can be scary, but one of the great benefits to this I've found is that those people that you ask for help you'll find that they have a lot of grace for you in the midst of that. So in other words, when once Lauren knew that I recognized that and saw that, and she saw the work of the Holy spirit in me to recognize this and to not, and to want to fight against that sin, Hmm. all of a sudden it didn't become as upsetting to her. Like that sin of mine, because she knows now she sees she's on my side trying to help me fight against this sin yeah. rather than it's this thing that annoys yes. her or causes her frustration. And I think we all can relate yes. to that. Like we all have way more sympathy and, and grace for the person who says, I know this is a struggle for me versus the person who seems oblivious to it. You know, right. that's a lot harder. And so you'll find that when you confess that to people and ask for their help, that, that they'll, most people will have a lot of grace with you in that. Way better to be teammates in yep. that effort. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and to be able to, as in Galatians, to bear one another's burdens in that, like to help carry that load as opposed to feeling like it's my responsibility to keep addressing the problem with that load or, yep. or the issue with that. Um, that's, a, that's a really big difference. Man, this is good. Our best podcast ever. I'm going to say it right now. It is our, bo- our best, best I'm gonna start, sounding. I'm going to start saying that about all the podcasts, just full disclosure, because... We, we, need be, we need to be more optimistic, I think. Do we? Yeah. Thankful in all things, right? That's in the oh, Bible. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> You don't sound convinced. We'll work on that we'll work off on. mic. Um, 
hey, church, we love you. We are thankful that we have the opportunity to serve you. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions, uh, concerns, or cries of outrage, um, please direct uh, the first two to me and the third one to Jay. And we we look forward uh, to... Having more chats for you guys to listen in on. Anything else from you? What What else is there to add to that? You that was, feel like I summed a, it up that, that was well? Such a lovely send off. They were so encouraged, hey, and now you're opening the door for me to ruin it. Ooh, which I did. Right. <laughs> so we're gonna end this now. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah.